And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the newest show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm also joined this evening by the radio voice of the Indiana women's team, Austin Render. My co-host, Kathy Amos, is feeling under the weather this evening, but she will be back on on Thursday for our live post-game show after the North Carolina game. Today, we're going to be discussing victories by your number five and four-ranked Indiana Hoosiers, depending upon which poll you look at, over Auburn and Memphis from the Las Vegas Invitational and preview of the upcoming and final ACC Big Ten Challenge game versus number six, North Carolina, this Thursday. But let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. Today's banner moment came yesterday on the 28th. That was when it was announced that our Hoosiers swept the Big Ten Player of the Week awards for the first time in program history. Mackenzie Holmes was named Player of the Week again. She has been she shot 88% from the floor and, and averaged 26.5 points per game and eight and a half rebounds per game in the two games in Las Vegas. Additionally, Yarden Garzon was the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. She averaged 19 points a game, six rebounds, and five assists. And while at the end of the year, wins are what matters, this is an important step for the program, showing how far they continue to come. And as always, our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You are bound to find something for you or as a gift in this holiday season for your special someone. So whether you want only IU gear or other college teams or nothing associated with a team, Homefield probably has something for you. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And now... We're going to go over to Austin for his amazing analysis, as we're calling it tonight. So, Austin, welcome back to the show, first of all. Jeff, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be back and uh, glad we were able to make this work. Yeah, I am too. And just kind of give you an opportunity to, is there anything you'd like to point out? Maybe we're going to talk about the games in Vegas specifically, but is there anything you'll hear over the last week or so that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, the fact that this team has reached spots and, and I talk about this a lot on our, on our radio show, they, they just continue to find a new record every single year under Terry Warren. It started back with the WNIT in 2018 and then making the tournament and then making the elite eight and, and all of a sudden, and now it's, it's number four in the coaches poll, number five in the AP poll. Like you just mentioned uh, big 10 player of the week and big 10 freshman of the week. This program just seems to continue to find ways to set new benchmarks each year. And I know there's benchmarks uh, come March that they hope to set this year as well. But it's been a heck of a start to a really fun season. And and I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on this a little bit as well. And I know this is, and I pointed this out on the Twitter feed. I pointed it out in the Assembly Call community. It's a snapshot. But Charlie Cream today had his new bracketology out showing Indiana as a number one seed. The, he had him as the number four, the fourth number one seed. If that could hold out, and again, it's November 29th. But if to, the fact that Indiana is in the discussion, I think kind of goes back to your comment of how far this program has come. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. it I, I thought the same thing this morning. I texted some friends and said, hey, I know this means absolutely nothing on uh, November 29th, but it's still cool. I, I, I think they should take the, the program should take a lot of pride in that. 
Um, I think the the players take a lot of pride in that, but they also know, hey, this is what we are capable of. And I think that's the thing is like, no, it's it's not right now. It's three months away, but it's telling me four months away. But it's telling me as a player, I'm good enough to get to that spot. And this team is good enough. Now we'll talk about it as the show goes on. They're gonna they're already going to face some uh some bumps in the road and maybe some detours here over the next couple of weeks. But this team is good enough and it shows there by getting the respect of, of a national type of recognition as silly as bracketology is in November. I think that's something to, to be proud of as a program. I, I totally agree. And, and before we move on to talking about the games in Vegas themselves, I think we do have to talk about the elephant in the room. And that was kind of the entire situation out at the tournament in Las Vegas. You were there. Can you maybe fill in our listeners and those who are watching live on the YouTube feed, just what you saw and, and kind of what your feeling was about the way the tournament was being run? Yeah, I mean, it, it was disappointing. Uh, it's weird to walk into a gym and not have bleachers. I, that was my number one takeaway. Number two, and if you listen to the broadcast, I, I was I was frustrated and maybe too much so. But the, the clocks were were uh, a big issue in my mind. I mean, it, it, that shouldn't be something that's hard to do, uh, and they made it very difficult. But I, I've said this, and I've been obviously the the tweet has made its rounds, and uh, I, I didn't expect for that to be the case. Um, but so I've had some people asking me about it all week, and the thing is, the team won two games by 15 points. They faced some unique challenges that they hadn't faced before, and they got some incredible performances from uh, all of their stars. And here we are, and and it's not your fault, Jeff. I'm just saying all week. All we've been talking about yeah. is the Vegas setup. And so, yeah, I it, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. But when it comes down to the court, the play on the court, Indiana still did Indiana things. They did what they needed to do. They went out there to win two games. They won two games. Could it have been better? Absolutely. There's a lot of things. And to me, the biggest thing is the health and safety factor with with the ambulance and the emts not being on location that to me is by far the biggest issue you could walk out of that weekend with just okay they didn't have bleachers they didn't have scoreboards that's an amateur setup or whatever but when you start putting people's health and safety uh in jeopardy that's the bigger issue to me but again indiana played great uh especially with what happened a minute into the first game with Grace going down and the team just rallying around that and coming away with two wins by double digits, they continue to do that. Uh, they have yet to play really a close final few minutes yet this season because they just have this will in the fourth quarter of the three games that have been close in the fourth quarter this year, Tennessee, Auburn, and Memphis, they find a way to just pull away when they need to. So and I'm not trying to, to jump on your question. It's, it's been a question I've gotten a lot this week. Hey, what was Vegas like? I saw your tweet. And it's like, no. yeah, it was disappointing. But yeah. but these ladies deserve, I mean, they're the number five, number four team in the country. They deserve to be talked about in that way. And yeah. uh, I know that the team is is ready to move on. And uh, it, very disappointing. But the good thing is Thursday we're back inside Assembly Hall where we know everything's going to be nice. And uh, hopefully we'll get a great crowd. 
Yeah, hopefully we'll be good ground. And I, again, I don't. I'm not trying to belabor the point, but I felt like our listeners deserved an answer from somebody oh, who was actually there. And so that's why I'm not trying to do that to you. And we appreciate you coming on and answering the question. Obviously, there's more to it than just that. But I do want to go to the next part that, and you mentioned Grace Berger going down. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of fear that first night when when everybody kind of got because a lot of people are like me. They were either listening to you on the radio, following online to a game cast, or following the Twitter feeds. Mm-hmm. And heard Grace go down. And some of those early reports did not sound good. Now, last night, Terry Moore. Now, I want, and this is kind of where I'm going to go with my question. So I kind of preview it for you. You know, think about it. I got the sense of from Coach Moran's answer last night that she didn't seem to think this was a season ender. Now, maybe it will be. And she just was, you know, playing a poker face. But I got, I, she never used that phrase per se. She never quite led me to believe when I listened to her talk that. Grace wasn't going to be back. I get the feeling, at least maybe it's just a hope in me, but I just know Grace, you know, having done the show with her last year, I know she's going to do everything she can to get back. But I just get the feeling that Coach Morn at least believes we will see her again sometime this year. I mean, you know it. She's as tough as they come. And she is going to, like you said, do everything she can to get back out there. Coach Wearsba joked after the game where she got hurt that she's the type of person that would have limped her way out there and tried to play through it. I mean, that's just who she yep. is. So, you know, it's 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 a serious injury if it's keeping her from playing. Now, is it a season long injury? I'm with you the way I've interpreted the answers I've gotten from coach. Even Saturday uh, in our pregame interview, she said they're hopeful. Now, that was before they got the MRI and all the scans and all that stuff. But even last night out indefinitely. But she's seen there. There wasn't. I don't know. I, again, I'm learning with you guys. Uh, we're all in this together in terms of trying to, to to find out when she comes back. And we're all hopeful. And I know the team is hopeful they'll get her back. Um, because I've always I've, I've said, like, the best player on the team may be Mackenzie Holmes in terms of her production. Um, but Grace is is probably the most important player to this team um, with all the things she does that aren't on the stat sheet. Uh, Coach Morin talked about it after Tennessee when the Lady Vols cut that game to four in the fourth quarter. What happens on the the ensuing possession? Grace goes to the elbow, knocks down a jumper, and Terry told me after that she turned to her staff and said, we're good. Like she just knew as soon as Grace took took over that fourth quarter and made that one play, she said, we're in great hands. We're good. Yeah, And that's what Grace presents. Yeah, she averages – 11 points, six rebounds, six assists. That's insane. But more than that, she's the leader on this team. And we can talk about Vegas uh, and, and some of the people that stepped up because you see the stats, you see the fifth-year senior go down, you think, uh-oh. But I, I left Vegas encouraged mm-hmm. by not only their verbiage when they talk about the injury, but just the people around her that stepped up. This team is loaded. We knew that. And I, I'm excited for Thursday because we saw a little bit of it with Auburn and, and Memphis, but Thursday is obviously a unique challenge. We're going to find out what this team is made of and, and what some of these other players are made of and if they're ready to step into that role. Well, and I just want to kind of follow up with that, and, and you can agree or disagree with me, but and maybe it was just the moment of it, but the, after the game Friday, reading the comments in black and white, I didn't hear the post-game interview or anything, but I read the comments in black and white. She seemed much more 
down and and really um, really despondent about what Grace's injury was compared to, like you said, her Saturday comments and then the comments on your show last night. Yeah, the way the injury happened, I think we all feared the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, anytime you see somebody go down, and this wasn't exactly the same thing as Dexter Williams on the football field, but it's similar. Anytime you see somebody go down and grab the knee, you grab the leg, you don't feel great. Right. Um, especially with, we talked about how tough Grace is and to see how much pain, visible pain she was in. Um, yeah, I, as soon as she went down, I'm sure you could hear it on the broadcast. Everything just, my heart sank for mm-hmm. her. I mean, you fear the worst. You fear, oh gosh, fifth year senior came back to, check off the final boxes on her to-do list and here she is ACL or whatever it may be out for the year. Now, I don't think that's the case. I don't know. Um, Like you said, the way Terry has talked in the days since it has felt a little bit more optimistic, but yeah, as soon as it happened, you fear the worst. Um, But I was encouraged that she came back out in that game, sat on the bench with the team, um, was able to throughout the weekend, even on Saturday, she was able to get up, walk into the huddle and then sit back down and elevate her leg during the play. Um, And then when the timeout would be called, she joined the huddle again. So I was encouraged by that. Um, So we'll see. I'm hoping because when you look at the schedule for Indiana and I I don't mean to look ahead too far, but I mean, that's what we do Um, past North Carolina. You've got a stretch here of very, very winnable games. Mm -hmm. And the way the big 10 schedules for the drama, they backload the schedule of these big 10 contenders. So they'll play Iowa twice in mid and late February. They'll play Michigan at the end of the season, Ohio state at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So they don't play a ranked team until Maryland mid January. So there's some time here for not only Grace to recover, but for the rest of this team to figure out where it sits without her before they get into to serious, serious Big Ten play at the start of the new year. Yeah, and I kind of had that same thought today, Austin, after watching the show last night and thinking about it a little bit more this morning, that if you could get her back, best case scenario, get her back sometime, even if it's not for the Maryland game, but get her back mid, mid January, maybe the third week of January where she can get some action and get the rust off before you hit that stretch starting in those last six, seven games yes. in February. I think that that would be the best case scenario, but obviously, you know, I, I, I want her back as soon as possible. If she's healthy, <laughs> All right. I just think she's the incredible talent that she's brought in everything she's brought to the program. But I want to thank you for answering those two questions because let's, let's move on to talking about the games. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn, the Auburn game on Friday for, our fans who didn't get a chance to see the score uh indiana won 96 to 81 and then they followed that up on saturday over memphis with a 79 to 64 victory and i'm really going to kind of for our fans who listen our workaholics in the in the chat and kind of really going to turn this over to austin and let him kind of run with it because i did not watch it i did not pay for the flow hoops you know uh pay-per-view or prescription whatever you want to call it but I did listen to Austin on the radio through the through the uh, IU app, and I did listen and I followed on the GameCast. But it's not the same as being there. So Austin, let's talk about the, as expected. Now again, in the Auburn game, obviously Grace goes down early. But other than that, what kind of what did you think really kind of met the expectations in that game? Uh, I mean, the way that Indiana, I, I would say McKenzie even exceeded expectations. No, probably. That's fine. I, I think. I think. Meeting expectations is just when this team, when Grace went down, this team didn't blink. 
and they blinked for, I mean, everybody's going to blink there for a minute. Um, and Terry said it, it took them a second to kind of collect themselves once grace went down, but you would expect this team with six de facto starters and Sydney Parrish coming off the bench, plug her in and this team's not going to, not going to lose much. And that's exactly what happened. And that's not anything against grace. That's just the fact that this team has six starters. Uh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's a luxury they have that if there's foul trouble, if there's injury, we knew one of those two would come up eventually. Um, And it did obviously in Vegas and Parrish stepped in and was tremendous. Chloe Moore McNeil was awesome. We'll talk about them. But I just think as a whole, if you tell me somebody's going down on this team, I would say, okay, next, next woman up. And that's exactly what they did. So if you're asking me something that was expected, it was that those the team would step up and fill that void, and they did. And 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 you talked about you know uh, the expectations of stepping up. I was had done a little research in Auburn. I didn't do obviously a complete scouting report or anything on. But coming into the game, they were forcing about eighteen or nineteen turnovers a game, and we only <laughs> excuse me, we only committed twelve turnovers against a pretty pressure what seemed to be a pressure defense. So and without your best or at least your lead ball handler going down early, so maybe a little bit. Could I get your thoughts on how the kids handled the, the players? I shouldn't call them kids; they're kids to me, but their player how the players handled Auburn's pressure defense. And, and without grace on the floor. Chloe was sensational. I mean, that's that's where I go immediately. Just watching the game unfold, and I talked about it with, with Rhett after the game and Terry the next day, uh, I just – she was so good. And like you said, there, Auburn was not a – we're going to sit back and let you walk it across the timeline. We're going to let you run your offense. No, they're in your grill 24-7. And like you said, only 12 turnovers in that game. And Memphis was a similar style, and I believe that game had 11 turnovers. This team mm-hmm. just takes – they value the basketball so well. And Chloe played some point guard in high school. It hasn't been her primary position since she's been at IU. But that, again, just what I was talking about, Grace goes down. Coaching staff says, Chloe, we need you to run the point, And she just slides right in. Obviously, uh, career-high nine assists in Game 2 against Memphis, who also, again, very hounding on the ball. Um, Yarden Garzon was fantastic as well, uh, putting up 21 points uh, in the first game. And she also had to run some of the point. Um, That was on kind of her. And and those two kind of traded off the point guard position. Sarah did a little bit, but it was mainly those other two. And I just was so impressed with the way they handled that pressure because, like you said, that's that's your number one ball handler that just went down. And you know Auburn and Memphis knew that. And they're probably licking their lips thinking, okay, we could put some pressure on these guys. And no, I mean, it was just – it was really – I was so impressed. I walked away so impressed from, the, uh, from Chloe's performance. And she's just – She's such, and Terry talks about this a lot. She's such a great example for younger kids growing up into the sport. She was not really a factor in 2020 when she was a freshman. She played very sparingly off the bench. Last season, she grew into that six-woman role. And then this year, she's obviously an everyday starter, and her game is just, I mean, she's almost a 50% three-point shooter. She's had a career high in assists. She's scoring the basketball better. She's an incredible on-ball defender. So I walked away from the game just blown away by by her performance. And so 
kind of staying with the Auburn game here a little bit. And, and like you said, maybe with this team right now, there shouldn't be any real surprises, but that's kind of what we classified this part of the question as, was there anything, were any, anything that surprised you in that game, such as, and maybe not necessarily somebody stepping up, because you already said that kind of should be expected, but was there an aspect that, was there a certain play in the game? Was there anything that may have been like, hey, that, that was not something I expected, or, you know, a surprise as we would call it here on Doing the Work. I'll give you one positive, and that's um, I think the play of Caitlin Peterson has been a really good surprise for this team. I wasn't sure what her role would be, and she has been really good. Um, she's bought in defensively. Uh, last season, one of her big issues was fouling. She doesn't foul as much anymore this year. She had she's had multiple games with multiple steals, and I thought that's that's a big spot for her. She didn't play much last year. I believe it was 21 games, only averaged a couple minutes a game. Um, and in like at Tennessee, she did not see the floor, but then grace goes down and you got to turn to, to Caitlin Peterson when, uh, Garzone and Parrish both got in foul trouble and Peterson really handled herself really well. She seems to be in the right place in transition a lot, um, and just plays really good defense. So to me, she's been a very good surprise for this team. Just wasn't sure what her role would be. And and I think her role is kind of the Chloe from last year. Mm-hmm. It's we need eight to 12 minutes from you off the bench and really good defense and just kind of be a part of this thing. And I think she's going to fill that really well. Um, I will say the one surprise for me on the other side of things was the poor defense, especially early. Um, 81 points is a lot to give up mm. for this team. It's not normal. It's not something we're used to. Um, Terry Morin said it when I talked to her Saturday that, yeah, that's too many points, but Auburn obviously plays a very unique style. They want to, as, as Terry very eloquently put it, Chuck and chase. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's part of it, but 81, I was just surprised at how easily Auburn started the game. They were putting up points really quickly and continue to do it throughout the game. Um, they were better against Memphis uh, after the first quarter. They gave up 21 in the first quarter to Memphis and really buckled in after that. But about five quarters there, it was a little bit surprising to see the defense struggle as much as it did. But that's the difference between this year's team and last year's team is they can have an off night defensively and still score 96 on you without <laughs> Grace Berger. I mean, yeah. put that into perspective. They put up 96 without Grace Berger, then 79 the next day without Grace Berger. I, I said, I think the the ceiling for this year's team is higher. The floor yeah. may be a little lower because of those defensive lapses, but that ceiling and the way that they can score the basketball at every level and from all five positions is, is really impressive. They've got five in double figures right now. I just, that's my, so the, the defense was surprising, but the offense picked it up. Well, and I want to kind of give you one that surprised me a little bit. It may have been just level of competition. I want to, I want to kind of pick your thoughts and brain on this. Uh, early in the season, again, competition wasn't always the same level, but we were seeing Coach Morgan get deeper into the bench. We were seeing Lexi Bargesser get, you know, seven, eight minutes. We were seeing um, Lily Meister get some minutes. We were seeing Alyssa Gary. And now, again, with Grace going down, that that takes away somebody on your bench because Sydney Parrish's minutes were looking pretty solid off the bench, as you said, a six-start. But especially in that Memphis game, I think we, you know, outside of, of Caitlin, three other kids basically combined for about seven minutes of playing time. 
is that something that would have surprised you a little bit, or did you just think it was more level of the competition and, and without grace, the bench is going to get a little shorter than we might've thought? Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. I thought we would see more, but then when I saw them in the game at times, especially the freshmen just looked a little bit over their skis. Um, and I think that's going to get better. Those are both Meister and Barges are, are fantastic players, and they're going to make a difference in this program down the road. I just don't think that that was the spot for Barges or in terms of, hey, go out there and play against these ball hounding defenses seven games in your college career. That's a lot to ask of her. And so I, I just don't know if it worked the way that they were hoping it would. Now, she could be a better matchup for other teams coming up here. She's going to be important. If you don't have Grace Berger, think about it early in the season when they would give Grace the blows at the end of quarters there. It was always Lexi coming in for her. So they do view Lexi as one of their options at a ball handling position and as one of their better on-ball defenders. So I would assume that she will be a very important piece, even if that's four to six minutes a game, just giving them uh, a something it is something that this team was missing a little bit last year. They need a little bit of um, they need a little bit of bench to where they don't have to give them 15 to 20 minutes, but just give their starters a little bit of a breather. And I think that's where Lexi could step in. Lily and Alyssa, I think, are just kind of sharing that that backup role. Uh, I think Lily for sure is going to benefit from being in the program, getting a little bit stronger, figuring out what college, what the physicality of the college game is like. Uh, and I think Alyssa's still kind of getting her feet wet in this offense and this this team. And obviously she's new from Providence as well, so it takes some time. So I do think, yeah, they weren't a huge part of things in Vegas, but they could all be very important here without grace going forward because you think we have not seen a big Mackenzie Holmes foul trouble game and Mackenzie's typically pretty good at staying out of foul trouble but it it's inevitable it's going to happen at some point she's a post player exactly it's going to happen at some point when she plays maybe a Monica Sonano when she plays somebody bigger um and and so you're going to need Geary and Meister to be ready and I think they will be, but that's where you'll really see their impact is if McKenzie gets into any issues. And so then let's go back kind of, you know, and maybe again, expectations is not the phrase we should use with you on the show, but out of the, out of the Memphis game, what was kind of the biggest takeaway that you took out of that other than the kids stepping up, filling in for grace. I think that's going to be a theme we talk about quite a bit without grace on the floor, but was there anything else that you, you know, that you were like, again, just, you're around the program a little bit more than, than we are a lot more than we are. Let's put it that way. But just, you know, that you were like, you know what? Yep. I expected that. Yeah. I mean, after, uh, after day one, what Mackenzie did on day two, it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, she had, she made easy work of Auburn, 26 points, 12 rebounds. Didn't officially miss a shot. Terry mentioned last night. I, I thought I saw this in the game too. There was one that, one miss, it didn't make the box score, but we'll let her have the, the 10 for 10. That's fine. We, we don't need yeah. the nitpick. Um, but she was unbelievable against Auburn. I thought Terry made a good point last night on the radio show. Um, at shoot-around Saturday, she went up to McKenzie and made sure that she appreciated her game because she said it could have been easily lost in the fact that we lost Grace, everything that happened last night. 
she said, I wanted to make sure that Mackenzie knew how good of a performance she had. Because how often does somebody go 10 for 10? It just doesn't happen. And she was terrific. And so when when you see that, you're like, okay, well, she could just do it again the next night. That's exactly what she did. 27 points, five rebounds, 12 of 15 from the floor. So she missed a couple, uh, proving she's human. But, I mean, she was just terrific. And, and that's starting to become the expectation. She's averaging 20 a game. You almost expect 20. I mean, that's just where we're at with her. And, and that's that's when you know somebody is an absolute monster is when they put up 20. I, I watched those games. She put up 26 and 27. And I said, those were really good games. And it felt like she could have had more. That, that's, those, it, go, ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, those are all American type performances. Yeah. Oh, 100%. She's paving the way to an All-American. This is what she had before the injury last year. I think people Mm -hmm. forget that. She was on a tear. She had a 30-point game against Ohio State. She had a great game against Maryland. It's just she was a huge focal point of this team, and then she went down with the injury. And even when she came back, she wasn't there 100%. Maybe physically she was, but conditioning, no, she was not. And Terry has mentioned it took her through this summer and into this season to kind of figure out her conditioning and still improving. So I think people forget like how impacted she was not only by the injury, but with the timeout. And so I cannot wait to see a healthy Mackenzie Holmes against Monica Sonano. I can't wait to see a healthy Mackenzie Holmes going up against uh, Michelle Shakova of Ohio state. And, and she runs the floor so well, she crashes the glass. She's playing better defense this year. I I'm just so impressed by her, but, but in, in terms of the segment name, it's starting to become the expected. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's where she's at. She's that good that 20 points a game is, is starting to become the expectation. One. And, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the inside of the numbers a little bit later, but um a player that we both thought when we talked in the offseason, we had you on the show that we thought would be kind of, I hate to use the word X factor, but just be thought because she would bring something that we hadn't had. Sarah Scalia, I thought continued to play well out in Las Vegas. She may not be putting up eye popping numbers, but she's solid. She's scoring in double figures. She's providing some rebounds. She's handing out a few assists. And to me, that's kind of what the expectation I thought she would bring. And she's shooting the three fairly well. Yeah. And you're talking about Sydney, right? I, 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 no, oh. I met Sarah Scalia. If I said Sarah, Sarah I met yeah, Sarah sorry, Sarah. I was I was reading the comments and, and missed uh, missed the yeah, name. That's fine. Trust me, both, both transfers have done that. But yeah, Sarah Sarah really had a, a solid there, especially like first three quarters against Memphis, and she got into that groove. And you know when she's in that groove that everything she's putting up, she thinks it's going down. And and she was, I think she was four of seven to start that game from three. And it's a different role for her. It it really is. She was at Minnesota, high volume, had the ball in her hands a lot, took a lot of shots. I think it's been an adjustment, or at least I would assume it's been a little bit of an adjustment to to being an offense surrounded by playmakers with a big down low who's as talented as McKenzie is. So I think it's – and and even with all of that adjustment, she's had one game in single digits. She's just a proven scorer – She's an incredible talent, and if she can provide 35 40% three-point shooting for this team, she's going to be just such a, a worthwhile asset uh, going into Big Ten play. 
And I'll kind of go here, and I want to get your thoughts a little bit as far as surprise. To me, I knew they'd shoot the three more. I've been pleasantly surprised by the percentage so far. And because I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of volume, but you got to make something. You got to make enough of them. You can't be two for 24. Um, but they've they've hit a pretty good percentage as we're you know seven games into the season. And for my opinion, there's there's no reason to think that won't continue. That they'll be able to shoot a a, a decent enough percentage. 34% as a team, um, and individually, Garzon is uh, 53% from the three-point line. McNeil, 36%. Scalia, 34%. Um, and, and Parrish, 27 But I think hers, it, she's just such a good shooter. It's going to go up. But to me, I'm with you. I'm pleasantly surprised with the way that they have turned this. I've said this stat a few times last year. I believe it was 14 and a half three-point attempts per game. This year, it's up in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And I've asked Terry, I said, is that by design? Is that a number you think is too high? And she said, in years past, they would have thought that's too high. But with the makeup of this year's team, there's a reason they went and got Scalia. There's a reason they went and got Parrish. Um, it, it's because they knew that was the one spot from this team a year ago that was missing. It was a let's stretch the defense out. And I even think 34% this year, which is solid, middle of the pack in the Big Ten, it could be better because they're generating so many good looks. Mm -hmm. They've missed a lot of open looks. And and whenever I talk to coaches after games, they're always saying, we got a lot of good looks. And that, to me, you can look at it and say, well, why are you not making them? Well, they're going to fall. They're going to fall. These ladies are too good of shooters. So to me, I look at it as a promising sign that they're generating so many good looks that it's only going to get better. Yeah. So we're going to move on to inside the numbers, Austin, and we'll kind of take both games in general. I'm going to start out with something that that I it just continues. Like you were mentioning here, this IU offense gets good looks, and they shot 54% for the game against Auburn without Grace Berger, and they shot 51% for the game against Memphis. I mean. In the women's game, if you can be a, a mid to high 40, 50% team, you're going to win a lot of games just because you're putting the ball in the basket. Like you mentioned, scored 96 points, even though they gave up 81. I didn't feel like that game really was in jeopardy. No, and that's one of the things about this team is when they've got a lead late, you just don't expect them to. And, and now they'll be tested more as we go into the season. They Let's be honest, there hasn't been a huge test on their schedule. Tennessee, I think, will prove to be okay. They've had a rough start to the year. But they just, even when it got down to seven, eight points there against both Auburn and Memphis, you're thinking, well, they're just going to find a way. You mentioned, I mean, they're shooting 52% as a team, which when you compare to most teams, I mean, it's first in the Big Ten. You look at North Carolina, just some brief stats. I mean, North Carolina shoots 45% from the field, which is solid. That, mm-hmm. that That's not bad by any means. But Indiana is at 52%. That is like numbers that you don't expect to see. And a lot of it, to me, stems off turnovers. Mm-hmm. They don't turn the ball over. They They have had six of seven games this season with 12 or fewer turnovers which means you're getting more looks, which means you're able to generate more quality offensive possessions. And I also think it helps when you got Mackenzie Holmes, who let me make sure I get the stat right here, shooting 81% from inside the arc. 
That's wow. pretty darn good. 5973. <laughs> well, uh, let's nitpick. Let's nitpick. Why isn't she at 82%? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has not made a 3 yet, but when it's inside the arc, she is rock solid. So that certainly helps, but yeah. I'm so impressed with Garzone and, and her shooting. I'm so impressed with, with Chloe and the way that she shoots the basketball, gets to the basket. They also get out and run, so they get a lot of layups in transition, which obviously helps your, your possession. But, but yeah, I, it, you're shooting over 50%. You're doing something right, no matter who you're playing against. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Yarden Garzone, and and I hope I say the names right. I, I I know I'm still trying to learn them a little bit. But the, the luxury of you being able to do the games, you get to see, get the names, and get to repeat them a little more often. But I, I was again kind of not. I guess maybe I wasn't sure what to expect from her offensive game. I knew she'd be talented. Don't get. I got. I knew that coming in. But she was seven for twelve from the beyond the three point line out in Vegas. If I'm reading the stats, right, she was mm-hmm. seven for 12 mm-hmm. over the or the two games. And that's not an easy background to shoot three pointers in, in oh. a ballroom. I, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to bring up the facility. All. I'm just talking about anytime you go to some of those multi-team events where it's just yeah. a different background, it's a different setup or, or, Playing in, you know, as you get into the NCAA tournament, sometimes you get into some of the bigger arenas. It, it's it is to shoot like that. That I thought Yarden played well, and I thought and I was impressed by that stat. Well, she's shooting fifty three percent from three. And, I did not realize that. And her, she has the second most attempts on the team, so it's not like it's fifty three percent. She's shooting three of five or something mm-hmm. like that. Like no, it's it, she's shooting. 34 she's 18 of 34 this season from the three-point line i'll take you one game further because i've got this one in front of me last three games for garzone 17.3 points per game 4.7 rebounds per game four assists per game and 11 of 17 from three and she's just she is what they thought she was going to be we as outsiders had not seen her play uh, so we didn't really know. We just know they had been telling us, hey, this this one's going to be really good. And she has been exactly what I think they were hoping she would turn out to be and exactly what this team needs. She can play at every position on the court. She can guard at every position on the court. And her shooting ability, it, it just does numbers for this team. And it's going to help Mackenzie. It, mm-hmm. It's going to help Mackenzie when you have to respect the three ball more than you did a year ago. Mackenzie's going to have so much more room to operate and she's going to have more one-on-one opportunities in the post. And I think that's important because you can't stop Mackenzie Holmes one-on-one. The best way to stop her is obviously to send doubles and you can't double her when you surround her with Parrish, Scalia, Moore McNeil and Garzone who can all shoot the three at over 35%. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of the, just the ability to guard and play multiple spots, when you do lose a kid like Grace Berger, a player like Grace Berger, that makes it a little bit easier to adapt because you now don't have to worry about, you know, who we put here if we move somebody there. No, you've got a kid, you got a player in yard and goes on who can who can guard multiple spots. And I thought that was one of the things when I what little I saw of her on film out of Israel, that was one of the things that impressed me was her ability to move defensively. And I thought that she'd be one of those types of kids that could players who could move one, you know, one through three, one through four, even maybe a one through five if it was the right kind of matchup. So, but it, Austin, as we're talking about inside the numbers, not necessarily for per season but was there anything else out of the box score that jumped out at you from either the auburn or the uh, memphis game for the team as a team one staff? one from each and it's the rebounding um they out rebounded auburn which was good i mean that's an auburn team that like 
Terry said, Chuck and Chase, they want to hit the glass. They gave up a lot of offensive rebounds in that game, but they did out-rebound them. But Memphis, they were out-rebounded for the first time this year. Um, and their rebound numbers are really starting to go down. It was an issue a year ago. They're averaging just 38 rebounds a game. To put that into perspective, North Carolina is averaging four, over 45 a game. So they're going to be tested again by the Tar Heels on Thursday. Um, it's so important for this team to guard rebound. And one of your best guard rebounders is Grace Berger. Mm -hmm. So not having her hurts. Uh, Parrish is a great rebounder. More McNeil's not afraid to get in there and, and grab a rebound. Garzone's a good rebounder. And obviously Holmes can, but Berger is a big miss in the rebounding area. And I think that's where you won't notice her absence in the points. I mean, she she can score. Don't get me wrong. She was averaging about 12 a game before the injury. Um, but you're going to notice her in the leadership. You're going to notice her in the rebounding because she averaged almost six rebounds a game. That's a lot of rebounds that you're losing per game. You think mm -hmm. that maybe you fill three or four of those a game, but you're still losing a couple rebounds every game. And those are points. Those are second chance points. Those are uh, defensive stops and that's where her I think her loss is going to be felt the most so to me seeing them get out rebounded for the first time this year was a little bit concerning um, going into a big matchup with North Carolina and just briefly I'll let our, our, our fans know our followers you know in the Auburn game even though you talked about they we out rebound them total we gave up 16 offensive yep. rebounds and they yep. scored 16 points off of those rebounds outscored yep. us on second chance points in the Memphis game, they outscored us 13 to eight on second chance points. So back to your comment about that, that does get a little concerned because like you said, it ends up becoming points when you give up, you know, especially offensive rebounds as well. Um, I'm going to briefly go into the individual stats. Well, I shouldn't say briefly, but I would start the individual stats, Austin. And you brought it up already about McKenzie Holmes, 10 for 10, six of six at the line. This is in the Auburn game, 12 rebounds, uh, 26 total points, three steals, and two block shots. And I went back and I was curious at just what the record was for shooting percentage in a game. I knew somebody I knew somebody had had a perfect night. But I found this pretty interesting that two years to the day, Mackenzie Holmes had gone 13 for 13 in a game against Eastern Kentucky. So she tied by percentage. She tied her record. But 13 for 13. I guess outweighs 10 for 10, but I'm not going to nitpick. I mean, but I thought, but I looked at it. It was all, it was November 25th, 2020. I mean, two years to the day. So, but you were, and you were there. I mean, you've talked a little bit about McKenzie already as well, but was there anybody else besides Yarden, as you've mentioned, that kind of stood out to you, their stat line in the Auburn game? Well, I think Parrish was, was a big key because um, Berger goes down and she's, She's the person who has to step up and she plays a season high 36 minutes and played through foul trouble. She ended up fouling out in that game and still played 36 minutes, uh, played with four fouls for a long time. She had a season high 16 points, had nine rebounds as well. I, I know she joked that uh, she, she needed to get that one more rebound uh, to grab the double double, but it's 16 and nine coming in and playing 36 minutes for, for grace and, I think people will easily forget or maybe don't even know that she was an everyday starter at Oregon. She started every game last season. She's got plenty of, of experience, even though it's her first year at IU and she's not the everyday starter for the Hoosiers. That's why Terry says they have six starters um, because Parrish is a starter. She knows what she's doing. 
They're not going to lose a beat. It's it's that next level. It's who comes off the bench after Parrish now. It's can Caitlin Peterson and Lexi Bargesser step up. That's where they'll notice it. But Parrish was was phenomenal uh, in the way that she handled things, uh, replacing Grace against Memphis or Auburn. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to bring up Chloe Moore McNeil here as well. In that Auburn game, she finished with 15 points and six assists, but that's going to take me into the Memphis game. She only had seven points, but she had a career-high nine assists. And to me, that's a huge number because this team really values moving the ball. And without Grace Berger, that was kind of my concern is how would the offense move a little bit without your primary ball handler? And as you mentioned earlier, Chloe Moore McNeil was outstanding at moving the ball and getting the offense going. Yeah, she's so good. And you just wondered who would step up. I said it a lot during the broadcast as the game stayed close with Auburn. Who's going to step up? Uh, because that's where Grace typically would would say, give me the ball. You think about last year at Purdue, she mm-hmm. makes the play in overtime to win that game. Princeton, she makes the play to, to win the game. When they needed a play, they went to Grace Berger. And so you just wondered, what would they do against the press of Auburn? And, and Chloe said, just jump on my back. I got you. And she was terrific. And, I mean, there's there's not – we I talked to Terry. I talked to – Rhett about Chloe after the game, then talked to Terry about Chloe before the game. Then we talked quite a bit about Chloe last night at the coach's show. I, I'm just blown away by mm-hmm. and we knew it was in her. I mean, but but just to see it all come out at such an important spot was was a ton of fun. And and ended up with four kids in double figures in that Memphis game. Chloe, like I said, only had seven, but you got uh, 16 from Scalia. You got 10 from Parrish. Um, so, again, and Mac had 27, as you mentioned earlier. Were there any other stat lines that you wanted to point out for, for our fans, Austin? I think we've we've nailed most of them. That's the thing is, to me, that's the next level is where this team's going to have to find something. They're going to have to find something from Caitlin Peterson. They're going to have to find something from Alyssa Geary, something from Lexi Bargesser. Um, it doesn't need to be a ton, but you think about when you've got your five and you've got Parrish as your sixth, then you don't need a ton more behind your – if you've got six. I mean, they had a game this year where all six of them got into double figures but can you find something out of the seven the eight the nine which are now your six your seven your eight because mm-hmm. burger is out so you, as much as this team did ride its starters a year ago i don't think that's long-term successful i think you've got to find a way to get something out of players six seven and eight uh coming up here in the games however long grace is out I, I, I like that because I agree. And I think that's one of the things that Coach Morin understood as she went into the season, why she was trying to get them more playing time. I think we'll see that get back to it. I, I But I also think sometimes as a coach, and I've not been to the level of Terry Morin as a high school coach, but when a kid does go down for an injury, it kind of it's kind of like, oh, and you kind of retreat back to your comfort zone. And then until mm-hmm. you can finally figure out, okay, she's not here. Now I start – and you can kind of start, but it's hard to do in the immediate game. And then when you got to play that next day, I, so I imagine there's a little bit of that, like, okay, I know who my five guys, my five kids are, my five players I can trust. And then I've got a couple kids I'll get in and outs for some breathers, but I think we'll get back to seeing some of those kids. Like you said, we'll see Bargesser. We'll, uh, we'll see Meister. We'll see Gary a little bit more than we did in that game against Memphis. 
I think that's a good point. I think they'll be ready. They've got all week here to to get Lexi and Caitlin ready to be more of a role in the offense, to be more of a role in the rotation. And then maybe maybe you don't necessarily see them against North Carolina because when things get close, they're going to ride those five. They are. And, yep. and there's nothing that's as talented of a five as you could put out there in the country. But it's going to be the Illinois on Sunday. It's going to be when they play more head state. It's yep. those games where they're going to need to get them more run. They're going to need to get them more experience. And I think, importantly, is going to be playing them with the starters not just putting them out there as a second unit in the fourth quarter of a blowout. It's putting them in there with the first unit in the second quarter. It's, it's putting Lexi Bargesser in a lineup with Garzone and Holmes and more McNeil and finding a way to play them alongside some of the starters, I think will be very important. I, I, I like that. I, I really do. So let's move on to our game balls and our Hoosier Hustle Awards. We'll kind of take it game by game for the game ball here. Um, Austin, I'll give you a chance to go first. I will say this. Kathy did text me and she said that I think we're all probably be in agreement on this first on these game balls. But in the Auburn game, Kathy said she had McKenzie Holmes. I had McKenzie Holmes in the Auburn game. Austin, I'll give you a chance to put in your game ball here. I will go differently. Um, I'm going to go Chloe for the first game because of the way she stepped in. Um, I just think that was so important. They needed somebody to handle the pressure of Auburn. And like you said, they didn't have any time to, to, to figure it all out. It was just in the moment. It was just, Hey, Chloe, you're going to have to run the point now permanently. And she was just so good. So I'm going to save my Holmes game ball. Cause I know what happens the next night. Um, but I, I, I'm going to give it to Chloe just because I think she was very important in the way the offense rolled. Yeah. And, and this is one, I guess I'm going to disagree with Kathy a little bit because as we go to the Auburn game, she chose Kathy or she chose, she chose Kathy. Kathy chose McKenzie again. She had Mac for both games. I was actually, I'm actually going to go with Yarden Garzon in the Memphis game because the 17 points and the four assists, and just like you talked about, just her, her shooting three or five from the field, seven to 13 overall. So I had Yarden, not because McKenzie didn't necessarily deserve it, but I just thought, you know, freshmen stepping up now, that first game where you knew Grace Berger wasn't going to be out there at all. I mean, they went into that game on Friday your normal five, you know, your five people going. So now you've had a night to think about a day to think about and Yarden stepped up and played. So that's why I went with Yarden. And I think we already got who your game ball is going to. Yeah. I mean, there are, there aren't many wrong answers here. There's a lot of options to pick from. Uh, I'm going McKenzie with 27 um, and the way that she took over that second half um, and, and backing up a 10 for 10 night with 12 of 15. I mean, that's pretty solid. She just should get a game ball for the entire weekend itself. Um, but I wanted to give Chloe uh, some nod. And I honestly think uh, this is this is an extra bonus one is the coaching staff on Friday. Uh, managing the grace injury, figuring out where to put people, figuring out most importantly how to calm the team down. Because, I mean, I've, I've never been at that level and, and, and in that situation, but I can't imagine that it's easy to continue to play especially with how bad the injury looked when it happened. I mean, that's a lot. So I, I think the coaching staff deserves some credit for uh, for kind of rallying the troops, so to say, and getting them focused and, and winning that game. And so then, so we're going to give game ball for Auburn to McKenzie. 
And we're going to give the game ball for Memphis to McKenzie. Two out that's of three gets the, yep. gets the award. Um, yep. So that's fine. Um, so we'll go to the hustle award again. Let's start with the Auburn one. And and the, Kathy had Yarden for the hustle award in the Auburn game. I went with Sydney Parrish in the Auburn game because she came in off the bench, not expecting to come in one minute into the game into that role. She came in, like you said, she came in off the bench and you talked a little bit about it earlier. Um, 36 minutes was a season high, 16 points, nine rebounds, three assists, three steals. So I had Sydney Parrish. So Austin chance for you to either break the tie or create, you know, create one here with your hustle award here. I'm cool. I'm cool with Sid. I, I think that's a good choice. 16 points, nine rebounds. Uh, and like you said, she was just all over the floor and had to be uh, filling the shoes of Grace Berger so early career high or season high 36 minutes. I think that's a perfect one to give there. So we'll give the hustle award for the Auburn game to Sydney Parrish. We go to the Memphis game. Kathy again went with Yarden. She liked both Mac and Yarden in both games. I went with Chloe Moore McNeil in the second game, in the Memphis game. I went with Chloe because mainly of the nine assists and the six rebounds. It wasn't the points. It was the seven points. And, I, and and not realizing how much she was running the point. That's one of the things hard to kind of maybe sometimes on the radio broadcast or in the game cast. Mm-hmm. I was kind of doing both. I was listening to you off and on. I was listening and at, and at different times. I didn't have a, a way I was able to follow with, you know, and, and kind of keep up with the game cast. I had to do some things for uh, around the house while I was you know, listening to you and stuff that evening with uh, some of the things around here late at night. I still had to do a couple of things. And so those were, you know, things that so but I'm going to go with Chloe Moore McNeil on this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'd give it to Chloe as well. Um, like you said, it's not necessarily the points, but it's the nine assists. It's the the uh, six uh, rebounds. I mean, that stuff is so important. And I just think her composure uh, in terms of never flinching, she's not, she's not overwhelmed by the moment. And she is getting the flowers that she deserves this year. I mean, she is worked so hard to get to this position and she's she's earning it now and i'm just pulling it up to make sure uh yeah she had two nine assists two turnovers i mean that's a that's a really good number uh anytime like coaches will say if you handle the ball as much as she did one or two turnovers is just going to happen so um i'm not shocked that that she's got two on there but nine assists is fantastic so so we'll we'll give the game or the excuse me the hustle award for the Memphis game will go to Chloe Moore McNeil. So let's move on and to what we call lingering questions, Austin. And I think we talked about one of the lingering questions already. So I don't think we need to come back to it. And that's what they're going to do without Grace Berger. We kind of talked about that earlier, but you brought up something, and and I'll ask it kind of. So is there a link? Is is a concern going forward? Well, you did answer this already. So, but I will say the lingering question I have: Can they clean up the rebounding? Uh, yeah. that because the games they struggled with last year, even when Mac was healthy, were games where they just got totally dominated on the glass. Yeah, that's a big concern for them. And I know it's a big emphasis for them. It has been all season long and they have to be able to to hit the glass. It's going to be it might be the most important key on Thursday against this North Carolina team, which isn't overly tall at the forward position, but they're just solid all around. And so they're going to be so important. That's probably the number one emphasis in that locker room is the importance of rebounding against North Carolina. Um, I, that's 100% a lingering question that that we won't know the answer to here, but they'll certainly be tested on Thursday. 
Yeah, and and kind of, I won't necessarily call it a lingering question, but hopefully, hopefully, anybody within the Bloomington driving area that can get out, the students will show out and and just have a huge crowd for this top ten matchup. I, I started trying, to, I tried to do a little research on this today, but it was it was kind of hard. I mean, IU has not been a top five, top ten program except here the last few years, so I'm not sure I could find a top ten matchup ever, but in the women's program at Assembly Hall, NC State. Probably was last year, if I had to guess, and maybe Maryland. I don't know if Indiana might might have still been in the top ten at that point. Um, those are the two that come to my mind. But absolutely, I I am I am hopeful that we will get a really solid crowd. I don't doubt that the uh, the locals will be out there. But if we could get some some flocks of students in the assembly hall for the second straight night, uh, that will make a world of a difference. This team needs it. Um, they need everything they can get right now. Playing without Grace Berger and a big home court advantage would certainly be huge. And a couple of questions from the workaholics here for you, Austin. Uh, this comes from Quang. Have you taken anything from Don? I assume he means Don Fisher. I, uh, I mean, I just take uh, the way that he handles himself um, in terms of uh, he's I try to be accessible um at the radio shows for people to to come up and chat uh, he's always been that way since i've seen him doing it um he's obviously on radio shows and morning shows all over the place so try to be accessible in that way um yeah I, i've just i've listened to him for 20 years so i think it's just like little things maybe that i don't even know that i'm getting from him at this point that that i have and the other question, and you may not know m- much about this. I don't know a ton either, but Steve Fisher wanted to know, what does our recruiting look like for next year? Yeah, I honestly don't uh, don't know all that yet. Uh, I know- so focused on this year's team, yeah. uh, I have not looked into much of next year's recruiting class. They've got a couple kids signed. I, uh, and one the one kid, the one player is out of Illinois. I can't remember where the other player was. But it sounds like they're very they're Terry Morn type players. And and I think when you hear that to me, she's recruiting specific style of kids, kids that are going to come in, work hard, do the work and and play a certain way. But I think also have high basketball IQ. When you watch our team play, I see players with high basketball IQ. They don't mm-hmm. make a lot of mental mistakes. And so that's the only thing I will say about the recruiting. I don't know about the individual players that she's got coming in yet, other than I've seen their names a little bit, and I can't remember them off the top of my head. And Richie and a couple of the others in the workaholics are answering the question as well. But I think she's recruiting that, that a certain type of kid that she knows. Again, she wants the best player she can get, but she also wants kids that are going to fit into her system. Yeah, I mean, she's the, you have to be a certain type of player to uh, to fit into this system, and she goes out, and that staff goes out, and they get them, and they fit like gloves. I mean, look at the freshmen this year. They've been terrific uh, early in the season, so excited to see. Obviously, this is a program uh, with a ton of downhill momentum right now. They're just rolling down. They're a snowball picking up steam, uh, getting bigger and bigger, and excited to see where they go. So we want to thank our workaholics for asking a couple questions as well. And, and the lingering question, I really like right now until I think until I'm kind of the opinion until they 
if, but I assume they will lose a game. I'm not saying that I don't think they're going to go undefeated throughout the season. They do. We're hanging a banner and we're that'd all going to be, be very happy. That'd be something. That would be something. But I think you get more questions out of losses, even in, and sometimes wins, like you talk about the rebounding, but you usually don't see kind of the glaring things until they show up a lot of times in a loss. So I think right now we're still kind of like, well, right now they're pretty good. They're seven and oh, and they, yeah. they played pretty well. And they've, you know, they've, they've addressed a lot of the issues we talked about from last year, like you mentioned earlier. All right. So, Oops. Let's see if we get this. And we'd like to thank Bob Thompson for our music here on Doing the Work as we preview our next opponent, and that's North Carolina. And I'm going to get Austin's thoughts about the Tar Heels here in a second. But that game will be against the number six North Carolina Tar Heels in the, as I said, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It's the last one. It was announced yesterday that the ACC Big Ten Challenge is going away. Primarily, let's all be honest, because the Big Ten is not going to be part of the ESPN television package anymore. Um, uh, That game will begin at 6 o'clock Eastern time. Five o'clock central time and will be broadcast on BTN, which I'm not against BTN, but I'm a little surprised it's a BTN game. And you also can listen to Austin on 105.1 as he will be courtside calling the game. Our next show will be live after the game, approximately eight o'clock Eastern time, seven o'clock central. It'll be, I don't want to say abbreviated, but we will be going pretty quickly because AC radio will have their show normally at nine Eastern and eight central. So, but we'll get into everything we can talking about the game after the North Carolina game. IU is 0-2 all-time versus the Tar Heels. The last game was in January of 1988 in Chapel Hill, an 80-75 loss. Uh, North Carolina comes in, I believe, 5-0 on the season. Uh, 5-0 or 6-0, Austin? 6-0. Yeah. So, I didn't, so I didn't have the Iowa State game as updated in there. But, yeah, 6-0. Uh, they've got talent. Like Austin mentioned, Deja Kelly, Destiny Adams, Kayla McPherson, Tiana Key, are all former McDonald's All-Americans on the roster. And I watched a little bit of them against Iowa State yesterday, and they were playing some prominent roles against Iowa State yesterday. Uh, They have four players in double figures. Alyssa Usby uh, leads the way at 15.8. And then uh, Deja Kelly at 15 a game. Ava Hodgson at at 13.8. And Kennedy Todd Williams at 13. And then uh, Destiny Adams, at least going before the Iowa State game, she was averaging 9.8 a game. Those were all there. Usby also leads the team in rebounding, and Anya Poole at 8.2, and Anya Poole averages 7.8. Hodgins leads them in assists. Uh, they're holding teams to 33% field goal, including 30% from the three. Back to Austin's point about the rebounding, the Tar Heels have been out-rebounding opponents by 12 a game, and they force 21 turnovers a game. So, Austin, I'm, I'm sure you've done some research and, and homework. What do you know and what do you think about the Tar Heels? Uh, rebounding, as we've talked about, is is of the utmost importance. Um, you mentioned Alyssa Usby through Iowa State, eight and a half rebounds a game. You're looking at one, two, three, four, five Tar Heels that average at least five rebounds a game this season. And, again, nothing that, like, jumps off the screen. Usby's six one. Todd Williams is six foot. She averages five and a half rebounds a game. Six three, Destiny Adams, 5.7. Uh, five eight, Deja Kelly, over five rebounds a game. And six two, Anya Poole, with almost seven rebounds a game. So, again, they don't jump off the chart in terms of size, but sometimes it's not about the size, it's about the heart. And, uh, and they are a really, really good rebounding team, and they will certainly test Indiana. You mentioned the, the, uh, the defense, both teams have been pretty solid, but that, yeah, that opponent field goal percentage, 33%. 
uh, versus Indiana at 52% on their side of things will be a very interesting battle. Mm -hmm. Neither team turns the ball over a whole lot. Indiana turns over 11 times, North Carolina 12. Both teams assist the ball very well. Uh, both teams score in the 80s per game. So uh, there's a lot of things that are very even in this matchup, but there's just that that to go off your last segment, the lingering question, what does Indiana look like without Grace Berger with a full week to, to get ready? What does Indiana look like now that they've had some time to figure out a game plan without Grace Berger? Yeah, and and – the word we used to use in coach, or at least I used in coaching, a few of my colleagues that I picked up from my mentor, um, a team like that that wasn't overly big, but just somehow always seemed to beat you on the glass. They're relentless, and, and they just keep coming. They go after the, they they attack every shot like it's theirs. They and we used to talk about with our kids that our players that was like, you know, when you're shooting, you should you should be thinking it's going in. Every shooter should believe their shots going in. The other four should all be looking for a rebound. And I think that's kind of what you see with North Carolina. I was watching them a little bit against Iowa State, and they got behind big to Iowa State yesterday mm-hmm. and then made a huge run but from about midway through the third quarter of the end of the game to really end up taking out number five, at that time, number five, Iowa State. Um, and so I just was really impressed by how, again, they just they all seem to have a high motor. And I think that comes in on the glass as well. Yeah, you mentioned the deficit. They were down by double figures in both the Oregon and Iowa State games in the second half. And so if if the Hoosiers go up early, Terry Moore talked about yesterday, they know their job is not over until triple zeros are on that clock in the fourth quarter. Um, they know it's a long game. North Carolina has proven they can be a second-half team, so Indiana's got to be ready and, and withstand that second-half surge that, that could come. All right. Anything else you want to add in about the Tar Heels? Uh, Austin, we've kept you a little longer than we probably intended to. So we want to give you a chance if you got anything you want to add about the Tar Heels. You're fine. I think we've covered most of it. I mean, Deja Kelly's as good as it gets. Um, she's she's a, just a pure scorer. Um, and she gets to the free throw line a lot. She's coming off 29 points against Iowa State. She's the focal point of the offense. Uh, I would imagine that will be the assignment for Chloe Moore McNeil defensively. I was interested. Indiana did throw some zone out this past weekend. I don't think that's something that's going to stick going forward. I think they're they're a man to man defensive team, uh, and and I think you're putting Chloe on your best offensive player. So I think we'll see Chloe Moore McNeil on Deja Kelly a lot in this game. Um, but again, they've got a lot of weapons, four and double figures. So I think this will be a high scoring game. I yeah. really do. I think the winner is going to get into the 80s, uh, maybe the upper 70s. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a really fun game. I do too. And I'm looking forward to it on Thursday night. You can follow us on Twitter at DTWIUWBB or just go to Twitter and search doing the work. And we should be one of the first things that comes up for news and info. We try to keep everybody informed on our Twitter account, or you can check out the assembly call community page. Uh, As I said, AC radio will have a post game show tomorrow night after the North Carolina game. That's going to be a little bit of a late show. I think because that's a late start for the men tomorrow night, 8.15, 9.15 Eastern or 8.15? Uh, 9.15 Eastern. Yeah, yeah, 9.15 Eastern. Sometimes I forget because I'm on Central Time up here near Chicago, so I always I, I see the time and I, I never know if it's already adjusted to my time zone or not. Um, be sure to catch and subscribe to the next episode of Crimson Cast, which is part of our next home, or excuse me, our back home network family. Our next show, as I mentioned earlier, will be live after the North Carolina game Thursday night, approximately 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Eastern. So those are our programs notes and we're going to go to last call and we're going to throw it to austin whoops 
I'm just got to learn how to produce better. And we'll throw in a little Bob Top here before Austin gives us his final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this is as big of a game as it gets. We're going to learn a lot. And I, I would say even if Indiana loses this game, um, there's to me, there's only positives that can come from this, whether you win and, and you kind of find out what you're truly made of or you lose and you find out, OK, these are the spots that we need to work on. Because like you said, they're seven and oh, they've won every game by at least 12. Um, you learn a lot from losses. And I'm not saying I want Indiana to lose by any means. I want them to win this game. I want them to keep winning. Um, and I think they can. But we're going to learn a lot on Thursday. Yeah, I really I agree with that. Win or lose, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team, and there's going to be positives that can be taken out of the game. Uh, and so Austin kind of steals my last call. That I was I'm just looking forward to a great matchup. I really th- I'm really I thought the Tennessee game would really be this type of game. I thought we'd go on the road to Tennessee and have to you know be a dogfight to the bitter and maybe a one or two possession game. I could see this game being that way. I could see this being a one or two possession toward the, to the end of the game, and and could go either way. I want us to win. I want us to win. Don't get me wrong with you. I'm like Austin, but I could see it going either way. And sometimes, um, you know, you just got to roll with it and, and, and learn something about yourself. Like as Austin and I were talking earlier, you're, you're still trying to figure out what everything's going to look like without one of your best players. So I want to thank Austin Render for the, the voice of IU women's basketball for joining us tonight. We hope he'll come back and join us again in the future and want to say, get well to my co-host Kathy Amos, who was feeling under the weather night. She should be back with us on Thursday for that post game show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com com back uh, slash assembly call you can also be part of our private community as well join that today at join.assemblycall.com that's join.assemblycall.com want a special thanks to john ringer of rig design for designing our new logo you can see if you're watching the youtube feed in our upper right hand corner and also a big thank you to bob thompson as i've tried to play his music a couple times for you uh for giving us our our theme music here and thank you for listening. Thank all the workaholics in the chat tonight. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Thursday. Until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate it. I'll let you go. And I'm going to upload this so we get it to the podcast and everything. But again, anytime you can come on, we'd be more than welcome to have you. I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we'll see you again and take care and 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 get some sleep. I know you're going to have a uh, on guys nights like when the men play. Do you are you doing anything around the arena? Do you help out with any of the production? No, I'm just going to watch it. Yeah, okay. we're going to hang out with some friends and watch it. So, OK, yep. OK, so that's good. So, hey, good luck and have a good one on Thursday night with the call. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. See you, everybody.